And we're back. It's your boy, Wardo Jackson, CEO, founder, creator of the great Cinema Draft game. And we welcome back DJ Hal Electronica, aka Yo. Charmaine Al Breton. What's, What's going on, Charmaine? I'm good, man. How you doing over there, man? So I'd hit y'all with the dramatic opening this, this time. What's going on, Charmaine? It was How's your going? I'm good, man. Just, hey, it's Tuesday, dude. The week does not stop. <laughs> That's right. Grinding from home. We all work from home now is a new reality. Welcome, welcome. Our Andy Cohen-inspired Watch What Happens live style drinking game tonight will be the word extra. Because every time you hear one of us say this word, take a sip of what you're sipping, because tonight's pod will definitely be extra on the personalities that makes these films black AF. Cause you know, I mean, we, we, you know, we're, we're black, Charmaine. We we get a little extra sometimes. You know how it goes. We can and will. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right. So let me make sure. So can you see my screen? Are you are you good for seeing my screen? Yeah, man, I can see you. Excellent, excellent. All right. So first, we will go into one of my favorite segments. It is what I'm watching. First thing I'm watching. This, and this is actually part of our draft stream game, which I'll go over later on. But it's Sella and the Spades. Are you familiar with Sella and the Spades, Charmaine? Yeah, and I caught that trailer, and I was like, I got to watch this. This looks like a Mean Girls kind of um, bring them out, <laughs> kind of yeah. druggy. I was like, dude, this might be something special. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating, man. Oh, okay, good. They uploaded some stills from from the... Uh, from the show yeah it's it's a tv movie there have been some rumblings that it they might expand it out into a full-blown uh amazon prime series but nice nice young cast great performances basically it's like uh it's like part heathers part mean girls like you said uh lovey simone uh the young assistant center it a brown skin chick you know colorism for some reason was taking over twitter on friday we'll get to that in a minute uh she's at the center of all the action and basically it's this stylized, quietly edgy portrayal of like the pressures of an elite private boarding school and like the various factions that are warring for power. And it's like one faction is like, okay, these guys deal with drugs. One faction is like, okay, these guys run the grades. You know, other factions like these guys are, are drama geeks like that. But it's like, it's really political. And, and this woman right here is a young lady and Lovey Simone, not familiar with her work, but she's, she's quite compelling at the center, very composed, you know, young lady, very, she very much embodies the pressures of, of boarding school black excellence. And it was really good. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if there's going to be more to it. It wasn't quite what everyone thought it would be because I, I, I actually was, didn't have too many expectations going into it, but it very was stylized and kind of edgy. The first time filmmaker, her name is Tayarisha Poe. Uh, she had a lot to say about it. I think she's about 30. It's her first uh, feature film. She had a lot of, stuff to say about that whole kind of culture and, and I dug it. It was definitely type of kind of high school black experience that we're not used to seeing before. So I liked that. I liked it a lot. I think you enjoy it too. Nice. That is Sella and the Spades. I, I thought Sela it is Sella. All right. Next one is and this one definitely gets an air horn. It's Homeland. You got I mean it's we're down to the final episode, everybody. It's been a long ride. I know we lost some people along the way. Have have you watched Homeland, Charmaine? No, nah, but I noticed it's like eight seasons deep, I think, and it's coming to an end. Like, it's been around for a minute. 
typical Showtime fashion. You you ain't a Showtime show unless they run your ass for seven seasons at least. <laughs> this one is clocking it and it's eight season. It, it definitely wasted a season or two here and there, but it is finishing strong. It, I've been impressed with this season. This season's been very entertaining. Uh, definitely mirrored a lot of what's going on in the world today. T- talking talks about an Afghanistan uh, truce and everything, pulling troops out and what have you. Saul Berenson, a.k.a. Mandy Patinkin, still on the grind. Carrie Matson, a.k.a. Claire Danes, just putting in some great work with you know her bipolar character. It's great. I've truly enjoyed it. It's coming all to a head. Not to give anything away, but we really don't know what's going to happen with Claire Danes' character. We don't know what's going to happen with Carrie. Carrie's struggled with her mental health throughout the entire series. No one ever believes her. She's always off on her own. People always think she's a traitor as her CIA operative self. Actually, now in this season, she's no longer CIA operative, but still wheeling and dealing behind the scenes. And I can't wait to find out how it's going to turn out. It's very, very compelling. And Homeland, can't see me because my camera's not working again this week. But I salute you. I salute you, Homeland. <laughs> Yes. And then finally, and I might have mentioned this last week, but this one I could not wait for. The last thing I'm watching, it's Black as Fuck, a.k.a. Black A, hashtag Black AF. Are you familiar with Black AF, Charmaine? Man, you got to school me on this one. This one kind of caught me by surprise because I saw on Twitter there was a lot of discussion with Rashida Jones and her blackness. <laughs> and I was like, what's that about? <laughs> oh, that was ashy Twitter having its moment. You know, you can't take those ashy elbow fools nowhere, I swear. And, and anytime one of us try to present anything slightly different, you know, they have something to say. Now, granted, some of their concerns were valid as far as the portrayals we see of Black people in the media tends to favor either lighter skinned folk sometimes, or at least in Hollywood, let's put it that way. Hollywood tends to associate, you know, almost like as, as aspirational or almost like better than, you know, having light skinned people, you know, be the center of it. And so of course they had something to say because at the center of this show, two light skinned people. And, but you know what, this is actually a satirical take on Kenya Barris's real life. Kenya Barris is the creator uh, and one time show owner of blackish. He also created mixed ish and grown ish. He's all about that ish. <laughs> and he's also done uh, movies like barbershop. And, and this one actually threw me for a loop. I, I think he co-created America's Next Top Model with uh, with Tyra Banks. I'm like, what? this guy's big. Yeah, it's gonna make money forever. Yeah, actually, let's check his IMDb real quick. Kenya Barris got credits. Look at look at this. All right, so start off in the Keenan Ivory Wayne show. Does some more, for lack of a better term, black shows, Soul Food. Listen up. Was right around right. girlfriends. All right, that's that's what's up. Getting those credits there. Are we there yet? I guess that was a TV series. I it was for a couple of seconds. Yep. All right, so you saw that. I didn't. Uh, got, went along the game. I know it's popular in the streets. Never quite popular with me, but he wrote 11 episodes for that. And then America's Next Top Model got him some money. 27 episodes. Uh, I guess he was a, he, he's the creator. That's real money. That 257 episodes. episodes. When you're God. a creator, Charmaine, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but when you're a creator, you get a check in perpetuity. That is your baby. Michael Crichton uh, created ER. His estate is still collecting checks off ER in syndication. All right. Wow. So that's how that's how you get that stupid money when you have like a hit show that goes on for multiple seasons and goes into syndication. And then he did the barbershop uh, sequel, the next cut. And then he started doing his ish. Then he got you know a girl. He did girls trip. Damn, his money's long. His money is long. 
So yeah, so grownish, blackish, mixed dish, all that sort of stuff. And he, he's working the coming to America, coming to like the number two, the coming to America sequel. So yes, yeah, so this guy's got long money, stupid money. He had that hundred million dollar Netflix deal, which is a little splashy on the heels of Shonda Rhimes' deal. And this is his first entry out the gate, which is Black AF, and it's it's a it's a hard satire, a hard funny satire on. Uh, a, uh, a satirical take on his life. Basically, he uh, Rashida Jones is, is standing in for his real life wife, who I think is now his ex-wife. But basically, and ha- how he has six kids because he does have six kids in in real life. I actually saw a picture. It's quite a brood, and they just they basically just hype up just the worst edges of his personality that may be real or not. But it's a really funny show because you see basically black rich kids growing up being you know rich and black in largely white environments and i can't say i necessarily related to it but i thought it's hilarious because if you take this any way to be serious or real i mean you're already you're already lost all right this is not real this is like people compare this to kind of like the curb your enthusiasm do you watch curb your <laughs> enthusiasm i remember that <laughs> yeah yeah and, and it's actually still going on i've tried i've tried starting like three times i just couldn't get into it probably because we're enough black people this show has got a black people. I laugh my ass off. And yes, you have him cussing at his ch- kids, his kids cussing back because these these are like nouveau reach blacks. This this ain't the way you and I were brought up, right? I, mean, I don't know if you got money or not. I definitely don't have any money yet. But this isn't. But you know, we were brought up this way, and so to me, I took it for what it was. Just you know, I mean, a new breed. These these new dudes with new money, you know, raising or or more like the kids semi raising themselves. And there's some real personalities on some great performances. Rashida Jones is hysterical. There's an episode, episode two, I think, where, where they're in a club on Molly, both of them. And she's just like dancing your ass. So it's the funniest thing I've seen. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you got to see it, though. You got to see it. I think you saw the trailer, right? What would you think? Yeah, man, I did. I did. I liked the trailer. I like what I saw. I was like, yep, we're going to watch this. Yeah, man. And Ken, Ken Bear, she's not an actor. I mean, I think he's been in like maybe two or three things. But he's playing himself. And to be honest with you, you know, for a guy who I don't think is a trained actor, he does fine. Like, he's fine. Like the the characterized version of himself he plays is kind of like a whiny, super competitive guy. He's always competing with Rashida Jones here. And, it's, and she, and she it's, funny, it's like a war, it's like a war of side-eye throughout the entire first season where they're just constantly trying to one-up each other or try to put, pit the kids against each other or try to just be right. And I don't know about you, but I grew up in a household. It's just me and my mom, but my mom and I. But it was a household where being right was everything. So I kind of related to that a little bit. I kind of, as I grew older and got out the house, I'm like, that's not a way to live. Like I'm kind of over it. But sometimes, you know, you deal with your parents, you know, you just want to be right. You just want to be right. Exactly. I get I mean, it. I mean, not, not to get into your marriage too much, but like, I mean, what are those? Do you see any similar dynamics in, in your relationship with your wife? Do you guys try to one up each other or? Oh, it's a chess match. It's it's either directly or it's cute and indirect. So yeah, it's <laughs> definitely there. It's competition for real. <laughs> yeah, man. So that, that's what I'm watching. What are you watching? So um, it's it's funny. I'm, I'm big into the voice right now, and the reason I watch it, I'm trying to see which black character is going to get far. So that's how we. <laughs> it's not like the Bachelor, is it? Where they're always out in the first round. No, nah, it's not like, no, nah, no, nah, because like what happens is you have um, like a John who's on one of the judges. So he's got a loaded team. And surprisingly, Blake, Blake Shelton got a, a nice little loaded team of black folks. So it's a good, well-rounded balance, man. And I'm, you know, we, it's frozen right now due to uh, Corona. Like they don't have the live shows, but oh, it looks so like they have a lot up, of good. Huh? 
they got a lot of talent there. There's a guy there named, um, I can't think of his name. He had a very, he's from Hawaii. And I was like, dude, that's your name? And he was, he's talented too. He's a brother. So I was like, okay, we're going to watch him. Hopefully he, he makes Thunderstorm. That's his name, Thunderstorm. I was like, and that's his real name, not his fake name. His oh, his really? Name. Oh, so Thunderstorm. So they're naming kids Thunderstorm in Hawaii now. Okay, all right. Thunder. Good to know. That's good. To and know. if your name is Thunderstorm, you either come in with it or get off. Get off the mic. You know? So he he brought the the flavor on there. So yeah, that's that keeps us busy family wise. I'm into um I'm into a lot of cooking shows, man. It's kind of weird. Like I'm watching Drivers, Diamonds and Dive, and Buck, Buddy versus Duff. I was like, damn, Food Network. Because maybe where I'm at, we don't get a lot of decent food and I have to cook it at home. So I just kind of watch it to get ideas. Oh, look at you, amateur chef over there. Actually, yeah. I'm sorry, maybe you're a pro- professional chef. Is way to be now, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a professional in my mind. I haven't gone to get any formal training, but I do have a ton of, I'll say, home experience. I've been cooking at the house for over, shoot, 20 plus years, two plus decades. So I guess minus the formal training, I know a little something. So I had a, grandmother who was de- who was okay at cooking which made me get better and i had a couple of other influential relatives who were like okay yeah you should keep doing that if you'd like to do it it's a good dichotomy between that and my music so all right so so watching watching the voice cooking shows yeah and then um i picked back up movie wise so i started watching parasite i started watching oh, it oh yeah i watched it at a bad time so i was like okay i'm, I'm gonna kind of get through and what i saw so far it was definitely gripping i just unfortunately started watching it at the tail end of the day and it started watching me and i was like okay i gotta watch this when i got a lot of Look at that Metacritic score, 96. That is outstanding. So how far did you get? What, what, what's so going I'm on? I'm like maybe 20 minutes in. And I'm again, if when I watch it, I'm probably going to watch the rest of it. So I got it to the point where they had um, they were in the house and the exterminator came and the exterminator like exterminates the house. And they're like, we'll just stay right here and we'll just take it. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> this is. Uh, or, or them trying to scam Wi-Fi off people. and Yes. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Now, you, I mean, yes, you're, you barely scratch the surface. I'm excited for your journey for you. It's one of the most original films I've seen in my entire life. It's like Star Wars and then Parasite. Because I I I can't, I can't, it's hard to explain. There is a twist and you'll know it when you see it. There is a twist, like an hour in where you're like, whoa. I mean, it's kind of flips everything over over on, on, on its head. And if you and when, not even if, but when you go back to rewatch it, you will see that they were that he, you know, director Bong was laying subtle little hints along the way if you were, you know, paying extra attention. I know it's kind of hard because it's in Korean and so your yes. subtitles, you're you're, yes. you're looking you're looking partially down, but also trying to catch the expression. Like I, I get it, but upon a rewatch, and you will want to rewatch this, I promise you, you will see all these little things, all these little Easter eggs he left out, he let he let, let in there to let you know of what was coming. And it was, yeah, yeah, it, it was, it was an oh shit moment. It was an oh shit moment. And, and the cinematography and everything, it really gets good. Once they get to the actual house house, like the house of the, of the, of the rich family, it's, it's something else. That's a beautiful house. There's a lot of good, great stuff with colors and contrast and stuff and lighting. Yeah, you're gonna enjoy it, you're gonna enjoy it. And, and are, you, are you watching this with your wife or are you just watching it solo? It's just me right now, man. My wife's not really a big movie buff, and, and she's like, she's really like, okay, give me, she'll watch like a seasons of television shows, but when it comes to like a two-hour movie, she's like, nah, I don't know if I can commit. I was like, really? I was wow. like, you're missing out on things, but that's okay. That's more movie for me. So. Amen. Yeah, well, let me, well, I'll extend to you this invitation. 
uh, next time you're back on the on the show, we can talk Parasite once you're once you finish watching it because you'll want to you'll want to talk through some of the themes. I remember I watched it for maybe the third time with my mom. I sat, strapped her down, made her watch it, and we spent a good hour afterwards talking about class, income inequality, and and just. Just all sorts of stuff about how capitalism works and doesn't work. It it's that type of movie. But you're only 20 minutes in. You don't see any of that stuff quite yet. But you will. It's, okay. it's something else. Parasite. Oh, or as as one of the <laughs> or as uh, the kid, this guy says, "Oh, so metaphorical." <laughs> <laughs> this big old rock. Big old dumb rock. <sighs> all right. So yeah. So that is what we are watching. And we're going to move on to the main topic of this episode. We are going with our top five Black AF movies. Rules are we name a movie centered on the African-American experience. We alternate picks. Once someone picks a movie, that movie is out of play. Now, since you are our guest, Charmaine, you have to go first. And what's your first movie? Dude, I'm bringing in Glory for the first movie, dude. It's traditional civil rights. Black folks fighting for nothing. And it's just got Denzel Washington in there, dude. It's like one of the first real black movies I started watching. And I mean, just it's not all black, but I center on Morgan Freeman. Oh, this this qualifies. This definitely definitely qualifies. (laughs) Yes, it's 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 a black ass movie. (laughs) It's very like Denzel has lines in there for days. And then that that, that, right there. That (laughs) hit me. Gone with me. I don't care. <laughs> it's a classic to me. It's a classic. And I'm, I don't know, maybe, I guess it's my inner war buff, kind of like watching this unfold from the black perspective, like growing up and listening to history, you always heard about the, the Caucasian point of view. When I saw Glory, I was like, damn, we were fighting too and we were pretty good. Damn. So that- whole regiment of us. Yeah, actually, when I first saw this movie, I think, I don't think I saw it in the theaters. I might have actually saw it in class or something, but even still like the 90s, it was like social studies, whatever. And that kind of hit me over the head like, wow, like we had a whole regiment. That was history to me. And it was, yes. I was kind of proud. It was exciting. There it is. The Denzel oh. here. There it is. <laughs> Screen cap. <laughs> yes. Tear. <laughs> my dude. It's my dude. Love him. Look, classic. I mean, all those cats in there, but then, you know, what transcends this movie also is some of the, the Negro spirituals in it. That's what really, the movie sticks with me. Like, even to this day, you can, like, even hear hints of it, even in Blackish. And I think Tracy Morgan did it one day. He was like, mm-hmm, the whole around the fire. Love, 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 yes, it's love, love. Mm-hmm. I was like, you can't. And to love, me, that's what makes that movie black as fuck. That's the damn spiritual. The spiritual aspect of it. The, the spiritual songs and, and what have you. The wordplay, the screen, the, the plot, all that's good. But it's just that, that those moments that just make it like, this is our experience. Yeah, we're going to make it happen with the country, though we don't like the country. We're going to do it anyway. Because that's just what we do. We're resilient people. Yeah, so. yeah well done. Uh, I believe the director was Edward Zwick. Yes. So great job, Edward. Way to cast. You're casting you know, top notch and a great first entry, Charmaine. But I'm going to take this one off the board real quick because I can't believe you didn't take it. Boys in the Hood, damn it. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's in the title. <laughs> it is the blackest movie I may have ever seen. It's great. It was so inspiring, especially the time in my life when I needed it, going to almost an all white high school, private school. I was just, <clears throat> I need to see this movie at the time it came out. 1991, what was I? 
sophomore in high school, maybe thinking about that summer. And, and yeah, Boys in the Hood, it was like that. Ice Cube's first acting role, killed it. Doughboy, young Cuba Gooding Jr. Ricky, everybody remembers Ricky. <laughs> Did you cry when that happened, dog? Be real. Did you I cry shook. when Ricky got shot? I was shook, I have to say. I didn't get misty, but I was shook though. I was like, dang. <laughs> it, I mean, back then, too, I mean, yes, I always, I've always fashioned myself as somewhat of a writer since I was five years old. But that was early in my development, so I couldn't have seen, like, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it's necessarily obvious per se, but it just really took me for surprise. It, it really just killed me when he got shot. Like, I couldn't see it coming for nothing. Today, you know, maybe some, some writing experience could have led me to, to be at least mentally or emotionally prepared for that time. I was not prepared. I might have shed a tear in the theater. I, I really might have. Regina King. Oh, God. Because he have a girlfriend. <laughs> I, mean, you can, I mean, we could quote this movie back to the forest. <laughs> it's just so unapologetically black, and I loved it. It was black through and through. The soundtrack was incredible. Had a black point of view, black fatherhood in a positive light for change. Yes. I mean, yeah. young Angela. Look at Angela. The ageless Angela Bassett. Yeah, just, dude, we had everything. Had everything. So Boys in the Hood, that's my number one pick. What's your, what's your second pick, Charmaine? So, you know, although I was close to giving you Boys in the Hood number one, let me tell you why I didn't put it for So, yes, it is Black AF. I grew up, um, when this movie came out, I was in Colorado. And Colorado Springs specifically is the home of the wannabe gangbangers. Basically, all of the the California gangbangers who got in trouble, three strikes you're out, couldn't make it, they moved to Colorado Springs. Really? So, Isn't there like an Air Force base there or something? Doesn't yeah, sense. dude. So like we, and by the way, we didn't live at the Air Force base. We lived in the hood. So okay. I lived in a hood that portrayed a lot of this. So when I watched it, I was like, okay, I don't know if I'm happy about this movie yet because I'm living it kind of. I'm like, so I'm the, I'm the, the, um, the Rick, the Trey character. I'm the nerd of all of this. And my, 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 um, Ricky is a homeboy white boy and dudes were people were getting shot like over drugs and everything. So when I saw Ricky or when I saw my boy, Ricky got shot, I was like, okay, this is really happening. So the big limelight for me was where Trey went for college. That was the first hint that I got of Morehouse. There it yeah. is. Yep. Yep. That might have been the first time I, I had heard of Morehouse myself. Like, I mean, that sounds bad, but I grew up in Seattle, you know, Lily White, especially back then. So, and my mom was trying to make it, you know, as far as colleges were concerned, I was thinking Ivy League, because that's where, where everyone else in my private high school is going. So, yes. so that might have been the first time I really heard of Morehouse myself, too. Yes. Yes. So my, my number two, and it's a close number one, is actually school days. Oh, very nice. School days. So after seeing Boys in the Hood, figuring out about Morehouse, I ran into um, a very Afrocentric brother. And one day he was watching this and I came in on the um, homecoming scene. And I was like, what movie is this? And my man was like, school days. You didn't know? I was like, nah, what you talking about? He's like, this is Spike Lee, whatever. So he, he was kind enough. And we were, these were VHS days back then. He started the movie from the beginning. I was locked in from the jump, dude. I was like, okay, I need to go to an HBCU. I don't know <laughs> how I'm going to get there, but I need to go. Like all, like when we talk about super black, there we go. Super black. Like it's, 
it was there. And the whole ending, the whole wake up, I was like, yeah, this is, I'm, I'm starting to find purpose in what I should be doing, how active I need to be as an African-American. Like I found purpose. So this, this one hits hard. And it's weird that it came out in 88 and somehow I missed it in 88. So, <laughs> well, we were, well, we were, I guess we were eighth grade, not seventh yeah, grade. Yeah, so I guess it was like, you know, a little bit above us, but it still caught up with me later. And I was like, yeah, I, I can, a young Jasmine guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have mercy. Let, let my cishet guy out. Woo. Yeah. And actually, I, I'm almost ashamed to say, but I don't think I even watched school days until. I was out of college. Like, I don't think I saw it until like maybe 2000, 2001, something like that. Like I said, it's, it was easy to miss. If you weren't in the right place, time, person to tell you, you could easily have missed it. And it's no so funny because when you watch, you see all the places on campus where, you know, oh, that's the Bell, oh, that's, yes. you know, BT Harvey Stadium. Yes. They're, they're basically, they're wearing all the Morehouse stuff. Yes. From then. I mean, save money on, on costumes, whatever. So yeah, that makes sense. Yes, yes, yes. It was... It was there, although I didn't pledge or what have you, but I, I, I got the spirit of the Black college and the Black college definitely exceeded my expectations. Like the movie set a good precedence, but just going through it when we were there, it was priceless. I had my own version of school days. That's why it's like my, it's my, it's my definite number two on the list easily. All right, excellent. All right, well, I'm definitely taking this one off the board. It's coming to America. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. that's in my runner-up section right but i'm see, with you on that kick yourself this is how the way the game's played you got it you you may i mean what's going to be popular what's going to be is going to be smart to take off early because this is one of the funniest comedies ever made it really or otherwise it's i mean and you want to talk about black af i mean it's about an african prince coming to america into you know one of the blackest parts of america Trying to find his queen in Queens, and it was, it, it was just excellent. I mean, what can you say about coming to America that hasn't already been said? It's Eddie Murphy in his prime. I mean, that run of Eddie Murphy. I mean, probably starting from God, he, he had what a good 10, 15 years where he was just the man, and because of movies yeah. like this, this thing, just for, I mean, from the prosthetics and everything alone to the to the the guest star. I mean, John Amos to the the whole conceit too, taking a prince and making him a pauper and and what and throwing the fish out of water in a foreign country too it's just it's such a great high concept it's awesome i love everything about this movie another eminently quotable movie everyone has their moments to shine arsenio hall probably never hotter probably got his talk show off of this movie to be honest yeah, exactly that was <laughs> you know look at yeah. eric lasalle let your soul <laughs> It's so fun. You know what? I need to rewatch it. It's been a while since I rewatched uh, Coming to America. It's time. It's time. This you have stuff. to watch it at least every couple or every few years, man. You yeah, gotta man. like. Uh, yeah. And it comes on TV. Like you, if you look up a couple of times, it's always on TV. Like I, I bet, I bet. I mean, yeah. This is this is great. So that's my pick. Coming to America, second movie off the board. What you got? As as we take that one down, I'm coming for, um, I'm going to take house party off the board, dude. Okay. <laughs> house party. I got to go house party because that's my musicianship. I love dancing. It gave me a look at what does it mean to be, you know, artists actually making movies. And it was a young Tishy Canberra and my favorite Martin Lawrence. It was the start for them. 
And, you know, it brought in four MDs and all that. So this, to me, this movie, very black, very black. <laughs> Robin Harris. Any movie that's got Harris. Robin Harris, you know it's black AF. <laughs> the, the late, great Robin Harris. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so many, so many things about this house party going wrong or the jumbo Captain Crunch. <laughs> And it is definitely, I mean, it is definitely so 90s. I mean, everything about this thing screams 90s from hairstyles to the clothes. I mean, I had one of those, was it a polka dot silk shirts? I mean. Who didn't have one? (laughs) Man. And look at Martin. Quit bump the table. Quit bump the table. (laughs) Yeah, again, the reason it's like kid and play, big legends of hip-hop although they may not get full props they weren't the best rappers but they were they had their moment and again if it wasn't for this movie we may not have a martin show mm, so we, i have to i have to lean on what's legit now now house party two and three whatever but number one is definitely <laughs> one of my black af experiences look at that cool <laughs> oh, God. oh now this this picture right here indicts me because that used to be me in my 20s when i had metabolism <laughs> back in the 20s i was drinking mixed flavor kool-aid juice and red usually red all the way up till at least 30 33 it's so bad for you people i mean we know better now i mean maybe we even knew better back then but something about this is a uniquely black experience putting the kool-aid with all the extra sugar because that was your boy that was you come to my house in Ladera Heights or Westchester or Lawndale, I'd have some Kool-Aid ready for you to sip on. <laughs> All the extra sugar. What what color was your Kool-Aid, bro? What flavor? <laughs> Red. There we go. <laughs> Red. Yep. Oh man, yes. Great pick. Totally black AF. Love. Way to take us down memory lane. I, I guess my third film. Let's just get this one out the way because I'm sure it's coming off the board. Regard. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm, t- I'm torn. Uh, okay, I'm gonna risk it. I have my, I have my last three all lined up, but there's a good chance you might steal one. So, but I'm, I, I gotta do this one. I can't, I can't let it go by. New Jack City. Oh, that's a good one. New Jack City. I mean, <sighs> am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> oh my goodness, goodness, goodness. I mean. Like what? One white guy in the entire damn thing. <laughs> Your boy Judd Nelson, <laughs> and he played, and he was backup. This thing was black from stem to stern. I loved it. It was fun. It was scary and dangerous. It yes. showed the best and the worst of us. It really did. I mean, some people would say, "Oh, it kind of glamorized, you know, drug dealing," but it really didn't. I mean, you walk into Carter, like you said, like that lower level. It's like walking into a war zone. It's crazy. Yes. There's there's yeah. very little glamorous about that whole that whole deal, and once, especially when you saw Chris Rock as a junkie get cleaned and go junkie again and get himself killed, it's like yeah, you know glamorous about that. All right, now this is glamorous. This is glamorous. <laughs> everyone looks pretty smooth right here. <laughs> but wow. Outside wow. of that, it's like I could rock that coat today with Mario. Yo, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, Asian, look at that trench coat. Even man. the Asian trench, yo. <laughs> yeah, Asian trench. Scotty Appleton. I want to shoot you so bad. Dick is hard. <laughs> so many quotables. And of course, just the, I mean, a breakout role for Wesley Stein. I mean, Wesley was already a big deal by then, but my goodness, he really did stand out in this movie. He um, did. I mean, so many stark. I mean, Christopher Williams, oddly enough, and he was probably at his, that was probably his apex mountain when he had, you know, a hit R&B's album. 
and had the whole light skin thing going for him back when people actually cared about whether light skin was in or out. I mean, yes. you know, he was, he had his moment too. And Ice T, I mean, this who knew that this would set Ice T up basically for the rest of his life as an actor, as a straight up actor. And you want to talk about people's stupid money? This guy's been working for Dick Wolf for the last 25 years. Which is nuts. <laughs> 25 years. Ice freaking tea. I mean, at this point, I don't think he really acted before this movie. And he, and he was great. He blew the doors off this sucker. So, he did. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Sit your $5 ass down before I make change. <laughs> I don't oh, think Wesley has been as black until Blade. And that's not even saying much, but <laughs> that was, I don't think Wesley. Of his roles, to me, this is this is it. I mean, he's got others, but this one just—it uh, just set the, like you said, set the tone. Yeah, and, and Mario Van Peebles directed this one, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So this this, this movie was black in and out and through. I mean, and this is type of one. Of those, this is one of those type of movies where, if you uh, a certain podcast I listen to. Where I call the rewatchables when they go back and, and rewatch like favorite movies, whatever. One category they have is could this be a 10 episode Netflix series? I, I say, hell yes, 10 episodes, five seasons. I could have watched this world forever. It would have been great. Actually, well, we kind of got it to an extent as The Wire, you know? Yes. So I can't yeah. kind of improve on what's already been done the best. But this came out, you know, good 10, 12 years before The Wire. So this is something else. Well, you know, those drug crime movies were big back in the um, early 90s, man, because the drug wars and... Just it, say no. What was it? So, um, not Boys in the Hood, but what was the other Menace movie? Society. Society. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So all And then that, Straight Out of Brooklyn. That, straight Out of Brooklyn, you know, yes. Yeah, Maddie Rich totally tried ripping off. <laughs> don't yes. be a... Uh, not Don't be mad. That's, yeah, that's a comedy. <laughs> that actually a pretty black movie. Uh, uh, Menace to Society, he totally ripped that off and he thought he was hot shit, would have a career and then of course we never hear from Maddie Rich again. No, he did the Inkwell and then disappeared. Oh, the Inkwell. Oof. Oh, God. <laughs> that's a fairly black movie. That's pretty black. It is. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, so that, that, that's, my, that's my third one, New Jack City and I am figure crossed that you don't get my other two. Right, Dude, <laughs> I'm gonna mess with you though. I'm going international for a second, international black. And this is one that it kind of surprised me and it's black. It's like, it's, it's like, it's like, oh, this is worth watching the subtitles. The Black Orpheus. <laughs> I don't believe I've seen this one. Oh. I've heard of it. 1959, right? Yes. So poor Spanish dude, musician, just trying to make it. And it's based off of the um, the the Greek mythology of the Black Orpheus. So the thing was, the story was told with Black characters. And it's nice. Oh, it's hello. Nice. <laughs> Dawn, hello. It's nice. I want you to go watch it, and then we'll talk about it. It's well, nice. Well, well, tell us what it's about. I mean, tell the people, because I, I mean... Go back, come I, back to the IMDb page, because it's been a second since... I, so I, I really... So I remember the theme of that. So, they, again, they retell the story of um, the hero Orpheus and Eudices, the myth of the time. And basically, it's a, it's a, it's a Romeo and Juliet story, oh, but it's okay. set in the scene of poor Brazil. Oh. And that flip, I was like, dude... This is dope. Like it literally caught me. I, and by the way, look at the look at the year, 1959. This is the yeah. first movie that like I went back and was like, whoa, maybe I need to look at some older movies a lot further. It's good. It's a love story. It's black. It's legit. It's like it's 
It's different. It's and different. I have actually heard of it, but I didn't yes. know what it was about. Yeah, so, it's, right, it's Black Orpheus. I'm literally writing this down on my list. It's my own movie list. It's classic black as fuck on an international level. <laughs> I was it's one of those ones that just stick with me. Like when I first saw it, I saw this at Morehouse, like my Spanish teacher put me onto it. And I was like, wait a minute, this is all black? What the, what, <laughs> what? Yeah, we exist other places than, than the US, absolutely. Yo, fail, man, he, um, he tried hard, man, he tried. I'll just give it to you that way. But the story's the story and it was a good retelling from a black point of view. So that's what I like. So like some black movies for me, I like the different things. Like I'm glad I got exposed to this because it was, it was definitely different. It definitely, I didn't see it coming. In the ending, you're gonna be like, oh shit, really? <laughs> so, a lot of cheesy 1959 things in there, like, but it's, there you go. Yeah, poor old fellow. Okay, all right, I'll definitely check it. Wow, you, you, did, you did go deep on this, all right. Yes. Well, now, now I'm feeling a little more secure, thank you. Uh, I can close that <laughs> in style. Uh, so, but still, some strategy be played, so let me not, totally play myself out i i think i can get away with what you got you know what i'm gonna do this one the best man Let's oh <laughs> take that one off the board that was very black <laughs> very black very much at least i'm not sure about you but well actually i, I am sure about you we had well the same experience we went to the same college morehouse college the house but this yeah. is definitely this definitely kind of spoke to us. I mean, these characters are all just a few years older than us in age, and and so is basically about like young black professionals making their mark in the world. Nineteen ninety nine, we're seeing this out in the theater, and just like first of all, seeing I mean this much blackness professionals doing their thing. It was it was aspirational, definitely aspirational, because yeah. we definitely went through that. We definitely went through that stretch where you know they were treating black folks mostly as like subjects or objects of crime or, or dealing with crime, you know, crack or whatever, the drug war. Okay, great. We, we've done those. We're good. We've seen those. And now we're trying to branch out into more romantic comedies and, and telling more, you know, middle class stories. Not that there aren't, you know, stories in, in lower class, you know, whatever. And you almost ne never see stories of just the upper class. Right. Black folk, which is why I really liked, you know, hashtag Black AF, the show, because, you know, that's definitely a family you haven't seen before. At least not in the Black family, not in the Black family. <laughs> and, and it was just good to see so many, you know, young Black people about my age, college educated, doing stuff. There's a group of college friends who are gathering, who are getting together for a wedding and, and all the old secret stuff get, you know, brought up between Tay Diggs and, and Tay Diggs getting married to Sanaa Lathan. This is, I mean, and I was <clears throat> fully, and I mean, fully in love with Sanaa Lathan at this point. Just so, I mean, just so beautiful. And I think 1999, I remember seeing, because Love and Basketball came out, I think in, what was it, 2000? Yes, I yeah, think 2000? so. Yeah, so I, I can't remember how I wrangled it because I used to I used to write movie reviews for about a decade from like ninety eight to two thousand eight, and this is kind of before blogging. I I was able to get them in placed in some like local SoCal newspapers, whatever, and somehow I got myself on these screening lists. And somehow, some way, someone got me into a rough cut screening of Love and Basketball. So it had nothing but temp music, like music they kind of put as placeholders and stuff and like the the musical score wasn't all the way worked out is like a totally rough cut just want to get some initial impressions of it i remember seeing her in that and i think the year was was 99 and i just fell in love and then i saw and then i think i saw her in this and in the wood and it's like and to this day i mean sonali just stay away from me because if i see you in the street i might try to marry you straight up 
<laughs> if I ever get married, she might be my hall pass, whatever, you know, and any exaggeration you want to put on, on a person, that's how I feel about Sonal Latham. So Sonal Latham was great in this. Nia Long was all at the height of her Nia Longness, uh, you know, off several, you know, was in too deep and yes. other shows that she was in, Your Boys in the Hood. Which, which I think was one of her first, was which I think was her first breakout role, and everyone's just so it's just so black and beautiful, all shades, all colors, and all type, types of personalities. You had square ones like like Harold Perrineau's character. You had wild ones like like you know, Terrence Howard's character. <laughs> Terrence Howard, man. Uh, you know Morris Chestnut's uh, the. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just it's just it's just a, it's such a great. You know, actually, yeah, he's the one who's getting married, right? He's the one who's getting married to Mia, and Tay Diggs is the best man. And it yeah. was just such a great, just such a great middle class, upper middle class black story, college something I can relate to for a change. Because I mean, and yes, I believe in seeing the the diaspora of black experience. I do, from rich to poor, from foreign to domestic. I believe in seeing that, but we over-index definitely on the crime aspects, but pre-late 90s. Pre oh my God. <laughs> you know, so this is definitely a black AF movie that I truly appreciate for all the reasons why I just listed. Yeah, it's, um, it is a, and even the, even the sequel, although like oh, a decade to make the sequel is it was legit. It, it kind of stuck. It kind of stuck in there. It had a darker theme, but it was cool. So yeah, I, I nearly shed a tear. It, it got it got deep. It got deep at the end. So. Nicole Carson. Wow. Yeah, man. <laughs> Back when she's making that Ally McBeal money. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, Morris. All right. I, th I think Morris is actually still with his wife. I mean, that's ah yes, black love. <laughs> to quote another fairly black AF movie, uh, Mo Better Blues, black love, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> Our boy Wesley everywhere. All right, so what's what's your what's your last movie? Man, I'm gonna go and wrap up and um take Black Panther, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I gotta take it. And the thing is, like when I first, you know, I let the hype die down and everything, and I was like, you know what? We're not gonna get a another black superhero movie except for um what is that thing on oh it's on netflix black lightning is the closest we may ever get to that but this just marvel did it right man i gotta respect them for what they did i mean futuristic black people hidden in the woods of africa uh, you can't beat that <laughs> and they come and and it's up to them to bring the better technology to the world we we had that. You, I gotta. I don't care if the story is outlandish or whatever, man. It was very black to me, futuristic black. I mean, we it, had it black was issues. African diaspora black. It was. Yes. I, mean, I learned a term that I really wasn't acquainted with before: Afrofuturism. I learned that type of. I mean, it it ended up for a Marvel movie, for a superhero movie. You know, all the little detractors people pin on these type of movies. It was educational. It was inspirational. It was all the olds you could think of. It was it was an event. Yes. Now yeah. now let me ask you this: How how and where did you see Black Panther? Did you see it with people like like what was the first time you saw Black Panther? So, being a family man over here, we didn't catch movies like when it first came out. So unfortunately, like I got subjected to a lot of the hype and oh you got to go see it, and I had to kind of blot it out. So I saw it in the theater. My wife and I we actually went um, a matinee a theater matinee and it was like one of those things where as soon as we finished it my wife and I both looked at each other and said we gotta watch this again because we don't know how we're gonna experience it so it was the, we I wish I would have had it with a lot of people but then I'm kind of happy we did have it with the theater to ourselves so we could just kind of sit and soak in 
what had just unfolded in front of us. I imagine that there were people around us, may have been applause and all that stuff, but that was just like, it was, it was deep to me, just kind of watching that, you know, just unfold in front of us. Yeah, man, I, uh, I actually drove out, like I had, I had opportunities to see it, maybe not so much like a screening, but early, like, like a little early or at midnight or whatever, but I was, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna treat this as the event it is, I'm going to wait and see it with my people. So I drove, I drove from, from Vegas to LA <clears throat> to go see it with my, to see it with my LA fam. Uh, we actually call ourselves a fam. And there was like 12 of us, bought a block of tickets. We went to go see it on the big screen at the Grauman's Chinese theater, Hollywood Boulevard, center of the entertainment universe, 7:30 PM showing that Friday night. It was wow. a deal, right? It was, it was almost like, it was almost as, good as, as if I'd seen at a premiere, right? Yeah, I mean, we had, we had these type of things set up over the, it's actually, well, this is, this, that's actually the premiere, but they had similar types of things set up. They had someone dressed up as, as Dora Milaje and, and people dressed up, I think a couple people in our group dressed up or something, or had, one person had like, like a, a like the, the Black Panther necklace t-shirt on or whatever it was it was a deal right it's a big thing and i remember we went to sit down and i'm getting i turned my phone off so so get the preview started and right before preview started like oh hold up we're gonna bring out you know kevin feige you know mastermind of of mastermind producer of the marvel of the mcu the marvel cinematic universe and chadwick boseman we're like wow. what so they come out I'm like yeah thanks everybody for coming out we appreciate it. i'm stumbling trying to turn my phone back on <laughs> and of course by the time i got my phone back on they were done i'm like shit shit that's what i get for being a responsible moviegoer damn it <laughs> Everyone got oh, pictures and stuff. Keep your and, weapon hot. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know what? You, you know what? Always keep your weapon hot. Absolutely. So that was that was a cool experience, and of course, I enjoyed it. It was great. And then I saw it. I think a couple of days later, I saw it in uh, in D box, 3D D box. That's the one where the seats move because you know a lot of action in that. Oh, look at our baby girl. Look at wow. Yara Sh Sh Shahidi. Love y'all. Yeah, and so it's just yeah, it's just I mean, look at how many photos there are. I, we have yet to get to an actual shot of from the film. There's so many press photos. Everyone wanted to be associated with this movie when it came out. When the when all time money, money making films for for Marvel Universe and and finally, I mean, if not ever before, finally, this is the type of movie that dispelled that black people can't you know do business overseas because this thing made over a billion dollars. So right, it clapped. Yes. <laughs> it brought it. Wow. So much black. It was, it was great. So yeah, so Black Panther, excellent pick. Ah, oh, took me back there. That's great. Oh boy. Uh, well, since we already know, at least watchers of this podcast, this video podcast, know Boomerang is my favorite movie of all time ever. So that's just a given. We're not going to add this to my black game. Marcus. <laughs> Darling. Yes, yes. Marcus. <laughs> but similarly, another comedy. Not to say that all black people are good for is to laugh at, you know, but this is pretty much seminal comedy, just period. And it's Friday. I can't think of anything blacker than Friday. It's that's very black. I can't, it's, it's the blackest thing ever. To the point where it is thoroughly co-opted parts of popular cultural lexicon. By Felicia came from here. By Felicia came from Friday. Yes. Yes. Miss Parker. I mean. Damn! I mean, so many quotables, so many. I mean, the so many breakout performances. Michael, Clark, the, I mean, Debo, freaking Chris Tucker, <sighs> Bernie, Bernie Mac. Mac. 
Mm. R.I.P. to the goat. I mean, you want to talk about another black AF movie, Players Club. Oh, it started in Africa. I almost put a black Players Club in there. Buckets naked. <laughs> now we're getting very dirty black movies. <laughs> I miss that man every day. He was so talented. He's so phenomenal, talented. dude. He, he shut it down. The Bernie Mac show, all of that. He just, golly. But yes, but Friday, just an average Friday in Southern California, 1995. What were we? Where were we? I guess, I guess you were, might have been a freshman. So that was a year. Yeah, my first year in Morehouse for me. So you were. Okay. Oh, yeah. I was, I was a junior. Yeah. yeah. And I saw it in Atlanta. We laughed our asses off. And then I think a year later, whenever when the, when the, the VCR, the VHS tape came out. Everybody had it. I had that in my possession for the longest time. And then when it came on DVD, I got rid of the VHS for DVD and I had that. And then when I decided to go to all digital everything, put everything on Dropbox, I've got a copy Friday. You, you know I do. So digital, digital rush. It's what you need. It's. I'm not saying that there is a definitive list of cultural significance you need to be considered truly black or someone African-American, whatever, because that's definitely stereotypical. But if you have not seen Friday, you are definitely lacking something to the African American experience because this brought it all out. This brought it brought out subtle shades of economics and and socialization, how, how what bullying looks like in, in, as as adults, uh, how we interact with each other, you know, drugs, but not over, not an overwhelming thing with drugs. Drugs is you know just one other plot line, whatever. How black don't crack with Ms. Parker. I mean, just so many nuances of African American life can be found in Friday if you really really look. And on yeah. top of that, it was funny as fuck. So yeah, yes. yeah, it's it definitely. I haven't seen Friday in like a while. I need to go ahead and just dig it up. So yeah, yeah, same here. It's it's been a while for me too. But I mean, it spawned a couple of lesser sequels. It's fine. But the original Friday was. It, it's a classic. Neil Long. I mean, every everybody, everyone you want is in there. John Witherspoon, R.I.P. Mr. Bang 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 himself from Boomerang. Yeah, it's it's, it's, Golly, it's, it's classic. Yeah, that's yeah Friday. <laughs> it's you can't you can't get any blacker than that. So that's a good one to end on. I like that. <laughs> that's right. Major key. All right. So we will bring this section to a close. And before we proceed, this is the time of the podcast where we tell you a little bit about Sin the Draft, you know, what the game is and how you play it. So we'll take this pause for the cause for those new and returning to learn just a little bit more about the Sim Draft game and how to play it. And we'll be right back shortly after this. Cinema Draft is the fantasy sports version of the movies. But instead of drafting athletes from teams, you're drafting actors from movies. How their movies perform at the North American box office will earn you points for your lineup of stars, all while competing against others for fun and prizes. So, how does it work? Well, to fill out your roster, called a call sheet, you draft 10 actors from those listed in the talent pool, who are each assigned a dollar value salary. You have a $100,000 budget to try to draft all 10 actors, no more, no less, and you must stay under budget. You must draft at least one actor from each of the three release types of movies. Wide release, movies on 2,000 screens and up. Limited release, 501 to 1999 screens. And platform release, 500 screens or less. 
There are two headliners per film in the talent pool. Headliners' points are worth 40% more. So, for example, if Top Gun Maverick earns 100 million, Miles Teller gets 100 points, while Tom Cruise, a headliner, gets 140. The game is free to play with cash and cryptocurrency prizes. It's currently in production for a relaunch later this year. We look forward to seeing you play. Come sign up for an invite to the beta when it's ready. Please visit us at cinemadraft.co. That is cinemadraft.co. And we're back. All right. Now, the quarantine movie of the week last week was American Assassin. And I'm excited that a few of you checked it out and hollered me on Twitter. I appreciate it. I, I'm still holding out hope for a sequel. Probably not happening. This week's quarantine movie of the week will be, and you can find these posted on our Twitter account at Play Cinema Draft on Twitter. This week's quarantine movie of the week will be Hancock. Not quite in the theme of being black AF with this podcast, but it does star Will Smith, our black superhero. But he's basically a drunken anti-hero superhero who kind of comes under the auspices of a publicist played by Jason Bateman who wants to rehab his image because he's tired of Hancock just busting shit up and flying around all drunk and stuff all the time. <laughs> and it was, it was really, it was, I enjoyed it. Personally, it was billed as kind of a big summer movie. Superheroes, I mean, yes, they've been hot for a while, but it was an interesting twist, which I won't necessarily reveal, but there's a role that Charlize Theron has to play as Jason Bateman's wife in this movie. Peter Berg, right back there, the director, he's gone to do even bigger and more budgety things. Uh, he's done smaller things, I think, like Lone Survivor, but he's also, you know, he'll blow some stuff. He did Battleship, which no one but me liked. You see Battleship? I remember Battleship. It wasn't bad. Yeah, Rihanna. That was I enjoyed. I enjoyed it. It wasn't a great yeah. movie, but I enjoyed it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and also, fun fact: that's how Rihanna gets the name for her followers. You know how they call themselves the the Rihanna Navy? Yes. They get it from that. Oh snap! Yes. Okay. Yes, it's like they rec- just, just it's like how Archimedes reclaimed certain words. <laughs> they reclaim Navy for Rihanna. They're like, you know what? We like Battleship. It was it was it was straight. We, you know, we, 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 the Navy. <laughs> to me, um, Hancock is one of Will's underrated good movies. Like I saw it, I, and I don't know, I won't say it was like blockbuster theater worthy, but it was like, it was good. It was unexpectedly like, whoa, wait a minute, dude. This is what he doesn't, to me, doesn't make a bad movie. Like he kind of makes it his own and does his thing with it. So it was like a good side break from the men in blacks and all the other things he was doing. So it was a good, good takeaway. Right, and, and also, also a couple of fun facts. This movie actually was going to be R-rated, but they, I think, was it Disney that put this movie out? They lost their nerve. They were just like, you know what, we just can't do it. It's got to be PG-13. And you can feel them pulling their punches throughout this movie to, oh, to its detriment to, to an extent. It's, yeah. not, it's not a bad movie at all, but it's like, it could have been so much more if they really- It could have been more if they took it over that, that, that edge just a little bit. It was right there. Absolutely. And another fun fact, this movie was written by Vince Gilligan, a.k.a. the creator of Breaking Bad. Wow. Yes. We all, I mean, that's, we all have long careers, hopefully. <laughs> and, he, and his, he wrote, uh, he, he wrote Hancock, was it 2008? So I think that was, that was right before Breaking Bad, huh? 
Breaking Bad started back in, I want to say 2008, right, all right. So that was that was the beginning of a great run for Vince Gilligan. I'm not sure if you watched Better Call Saul, the Breaking Bad prequel, but that just ended an excellent fifth season last night. Are you familiar? Wow, no, I didn't even know there was a prequel to that joint, so that's new, wow. Have you, have you watched Breaking Bad? A little bit of Breaking Bad, so it's. I know it's a good series. It's one of those when I have time. Sure, we'll get that, one, but I, I trust that one's good. So, oh no, you want to watch? I mean, it honestly is. I've I've rewatched Breaking Bad the series maybe two or three times, and it it is The Wire one, and then Breaking Bad one A. You know, it's okay. It's, <laughs> it's like that, and actually, I mean, at the tail end of my last rewatch, I was this close to giving up The Wire. For, I mean, they're about to flip spots. But I mean, I, now I'm rewatching The Wire, episode by episode, in a, in conjunction with this new podcast that's out by the Ringer Network, starring Jamel Hill and Van Lathan, and they're taking every episode of The Wire and breaking it down, doing hour-long treatises on The Wire, you know, doing categories like who won the episode, you know, who talked the most shit you know, this week, stuff like that, really digging deep into it, enjoying it. And so I actually, before we started recording tonight, I actually just rewatched uh, episode, or season one, episode two, the, 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 the one with, the, with Wallace, a.k.a. young Michael B. Jordan. Wow. Very, very, very pre-Creed, <laughs> where he's talking about, like, the man who created Chicken and Nuggets must be Ritz and Muffin. He's <laughs> brilliant. It's like, took the bone out. <laughs> Wow, and you and you can see with I mean obviously I, this is probably the fifth time I'm rewatching The Wire as a series. It, it never gets old, but you see with the benefit of perspective and of course anticipating what's coming, but also having rewatched enough times and and this time actually watching it with the captions on because I used to never watch it with the captions on. Just seeing just how precise they were with names and places and procedures they're laying out, which will they'll call back on two, three, sometimes even four seasons later. It's, it's really masterful work. So that's what, that's what I'm gonna be doing for as long as they, they do this rewatch on The Ringer. I think it's called Down in the Hole. That's the name of the, the podcast. Okay. Down in the Hole, so, if, so you can look it up on any of your, your podcast devices and you can watch along with us, but that's, that's kind of how I'm, how I'm enjoying it as well. So yeah, so, so now you've got your quarantine movie of the week and maybe even another podcast and a rewatch of TV <laughs> of the week. And I do want to shout out everybody as a good big thank you for all of you who played our social CD game. Are you familiar with social CD, Charmaine? Oh, break it down, man. What's that? All right. So basically, you know, people on Twitter, a lot of people are home now or are working from home, spending more time online on social media. I don't, I don't blame them, you know. Uh, we, you know, some people try to get out of work here and there doing, playing little games. And I thought, you know what, you know, while we're still rebuilding the site and getting everything back up to speed, and especially while movie theaters are out, <laughs> we don't know necessarily when they'll be back, but that's another story. Uh, let's do a little social media five game for the people. And basically the way it works in social CD is that every week I come to you on Thursday and I give you a new cast <clears throat> of about 12 people or a talent pool of 12 people. And you need to pick your cast for hundred dollars or less. You must have at least one headliner, one co-star and one day player. You must have exactly five players and you can't spend more than a hundred dollars. And you do get a bonus for, for getting headliners in your lineup, 
but as you can see, they are quite pricey. And the way it works is that after I post this on a Thursday, then on a Friday, we, we do a Twitter poll of who's your top headliner. And then on a Saturday, your top co-star. And then on a Sunday, your top day player. And at the end, and then on Monday, we tally them up between that and on and our Facebook. And we dole out the points accordingly. And basically it's a simple, you know, four, three, two, one. But of course, your headliners get a 40% bonus. So 5.6 for Tessa, the lovely Tessa Thompson, who was our number one headliner vote getter of the week, followed by Kristen Stewart, Kate McKinnon, and Luke Evans. And then you score yourself accordingly. And I do believe, I do believe my, I do believe mine came out to be 15.4 points, which I think was I. I mean, you could have could have come a little harder. But it, but the fun of it is to figure out the type of cast you can create, giving it a title. Well, you know, I tweet entirely too much, so I'll never find it. Anyways, you get the <laughs> idea. <laughs> you get the idea. Uh, it's, it's a fun little game to play. It's free, no real prize, just something to keep, kind of pass the time. And I've got a few more weeks of this as I kind of test out this variant of the game. Another game I definitely want to turn you on to and might require a little bit more of your time. But this one is called DraftStream. And are you familiar with DraftStream at all? Have you seen any of the newsletters recently? I've seen a couple of newsletters on it. Yeah, we are. So basically, this is a spreadsheet version of the Cinema Draft game at its, at its best. And this is actually, fun fact, how I came to work out the game mechanics in Cinema Draft, the game, before we end up coding it up and putting it on a website. I bought I bug a bunch of my friends for about a good six or seven month period. Every Friday, come up with these spreadsheets of talent pools like that and have them manually put together a sheet and stuff like that. And I do the best I could to automate it or whatever, but I was getting them to help me figure out how this game would actually work in reality with with you know buttons and graphics and stuff. So this is this is kind of the raw version of the draft stream game and same kind of concept as Cinema Draft. You have a hundred thousand dollar budget. You need to have ten people on your call sheet, you know, and yet but you have to have at least one headliner, one co-star, one day player, and you can't exceed a hundred thousand dollars. And you must have exactly ten actors or cast members. But the difference here though is that besides it being you know on a, on a spreadsheet and everything, which can be a little cumbersome, I understand. And you want to also fill in your tiebreakers because we got really close this week. But this is all dealing with streaming content. Since we don't have any movies out in theaters for now or for the near future, I kind of predict that we won't have movie going. And I don't care what that... Uh, okay, let's try to be diplomatic. I don't care what that misinformed governor of Georgia or, or those other four states which are trying to open up too early on Friday. I don't care what they say. We're not going to have theaters open on mass until July, August at best. It won't be safe. But so for now, we're doing some streaming content. And so we've got your Black AF, we got your Netflix shows. The Last Dance, as you can see, was our highest performer of the week. And the, and the way the ratings work is that we take an aggregate weighted average of Rotten Tomatoes, critic score, and our audience score, as well as the Metacritic's critic score and IMDb user score. And as you can see, the Rotten Tomatoes audience score and IMDb user score those are weighted heavier. Those get 60% more value in points because we want to take the onus off of critics. I've, like I said, I used to be a movie critic or whatever. You know, we can be up our own asses sometimes. So we got to give more of the power to the people. And, and it's been a really interesting ride so far. We've only done two weeks. This past week was our closest one yet. As you can see, 
very tight up at the top. Uh, only less oh. than two points separated first and second. And less than, I mean, 0. 0.02 points separated me, your boy, Swag Official, and, fe- and fellow podcast guest Henry G, a.k.a. The Roan, 0. 0.02 points separated us. <laughs> from having from uh third place and so it's wow. all fun and games last week this week it's going down for real this week as you can see some of the tiles we have oh someone's already checking out i like that thank you anonymous giraffe <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh this week's uh this week's talent pool we've got bad education the beastie boy story defending jacob that's a an apple tv plus movie with chris evans and michelle dockery uh, new Penny Dreadful. You know, we got some stuff. Extraction, that Netflix movie with uh, Chris Hemsworth. It should be interesting this week. And so this week will be the first week we're actually offering up a cash prize. So help your boy out with some data. We need the data. We need more players. More players, more data. The top two non-Cinema Draft employees to win will get a split of a $50 prize pool, $35 to first, $15 to second. We even have a nice, helpful little video you can use. They'll show you how to play the game. A little demo video shows you how it's done, and and we we need participation. So if you got, you know, ten spare minutes before Thursday, six p.m. That'll be Thursday, April twenty third, six p.m. Pacific time. That's when call sheets are due. Make sure you get them into me. It's real easy once you you know we have the rules, how you fill them out, break down the scoring, your talent pool, and your call sheet. Do a little copy paste and then you share it with your boy. Share so I can edit it at cinemadraft at gmail.com and send it away. I'll have a link in the description of this podcast episode for you to click and get to it. Thanks a lot. All right. And that, I guess, wraps up the draft stream portion of it. And for the most part of our episode. Our boy, Charmaine Albert, a.k.a. DJ Hell Electronica, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. Come oh on. <laughs> Had to get my DJ Khaled in there for you. Yes, bro. Thanks for coming through. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. And your number one fan, a.k.a. the Draft Mom, will certainly be happy to hear your voice. <laughs> yeah, man. Glad to be here. And definitely seeing the movement of Cinema Draft, man, is dope. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, you know, this is the time, this is part of the episode where I tell my guests to go ahead and plug your ish. What is you got to plug this week? Yo, so folks need to come on out to my BeatStar site. They want to get some music. If you um, do a quick search, man, BeatStar's How Electronica, that's where if you want me to do some things for your TV shows, your movies, you're an artist, I got you. That's BeatStar's. That's B-E-A-T. Yes. Oh, beat stars. Yeah, beat, beat stars. stars. Beat stars with Z or S? Um, with an S. Okay. How <laughs> electronica, and that should um should bring bring up our page. If not, we'll just go directly to Beat Stars, and you'll see what it looks like. So yeah, just, just go to BeatStars.com. Okay, and that's How Electronica with two A's. H A A L Electronica. Yes. Why the two A's? Just like curiosity. So um the the short story is How stands for Holla at a laptop. So that okay. holla at a, but that's a lot to write. So that's how I shorten down the how. Also, I got to play on 2001 Space Odyssey. It's one of my favorite movies. So was he two A's as well? I don't, you know what? Oh God, this is terrible 
pop cultural hole in my resume, but I've never seen 2001. That's all right, man. You got to kind of be up in there to see all it. Right. So. All right. So go to the search box. There it is right there. It comes up right there. So there's a feed. So here's my site. Come on in and you'll, um, so you can lease some of my music if you want it. You like it, you like it enough. Hey, I'll go ahead and sell it to you exclusive. So each week I have plans of putting out some new music, new tracks, new ideas. I may associate it with a YouTube short video, but again, I want you to come out here and hey, check me out because I do want to make sure I get my tunes into your product. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. So if you, if you like press that, it gives you like a sample of your beat? Is that yeah, right? man. Yes, yes, yes. This is my latest Yellow Cake Bake. Released that last week. I'm working on my next composition I'm going to put out. Okay, I, I dig it. I dig it. Appreciate it, man. And I think in the spirit of that, we'll let you be our outro music this week. Hey, that works. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. We appreciate your support. Make sure you support our boy, Hal Electronica, beatstars.com slash Hal Electronica. Also make sure you check us out at Cinemadraft at cinemadraft.co. And also check out DraftStream. We need your support. And you might even win a little bit of money. Y'all at home, y'all ain't going anywhere. Why don't you help a brother out with some data? All right. Anyways, instead of go see a movie or something, we're all trapped indoors. So quarantine with a movie or something and holla at your boy. Thanks for listening, and thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Let that be right on out. Where can you find Cinema Draft? We are on Twitter, at Play Cinema Draft. Facebook, Cinema Draft. Instagram, at Play Cinema Draft, Medium at Cinema Draft, that is our corporate blog. We're even on Pinterest, Cinema Draft. Also, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Music, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. And finally, please visit us at cinemadraft.co and sign up for an invite to the relaunch. We will always have games where you can sign up, play for free, and win real money. Cinema Draft is a registered mark of Cinema Draft LLC. Both the Cinema Draft game and the CD3D decentralized app token are for entertainment purposes only.